This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lopercaro, and this episode's guest is Quinn Christofferson. Quinn Christofferson is an artist from Anchorage, Alaska. Much like his Atna, Athabaskan, and Inupiaq ancestors, he is a storyteller at heart. He writes with earnestness and compassion, handling both heavy and joyful moments with equal care. On his debut record, Write Your Name in Pink, he tells us stories from his life up until now. Bubblegum is actually the place that I kind of want to start. We're, we're kind of going by theme, kind of touching on songs specifically. You'll see kind of, we're also just going to see how the conversation goes. That's just the beauty of doing this. But the reason I think that Bubblegum is such a good place to start is because it's probably the most all-encompassing song on the record. It's quite literally a, a start-to-finish biography, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is. Yeah, and one of the things that I found myself when I was rereading the lyrics, even though I've heard it a million times, when I was looking at the lyrics again yesterday, what I found so interesting was that, so it's a song where obviously the chorus is saying, I don't know who I am. It's a song about trying to figure out who you are, you know, typical pains of growing up. We're trying to figure out what what we are and what makes sense to us. And yet simultaneously in the verses, you're quite listening. You're literally listing off the things that you are. It's I am a partner. I am a friend. I'm your crush from 2005. Reference to other song. What's up? Hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's it's cool how, like, it's almost like you're, at least this is the way I read it, and the whole point of this interview is for me to just say a bunch of shit and then you to be able to be like, that is correct, that is stupid. And um, so it almost feels like, I guess, sometimes when we're trying to discover who we are, we are trying to anchor ourselves in the little things that we are, even as those are in flux and they change as we age. Yeah, honestly, <clears throat> that song is I love that song <clears throat> it was one of those things when like normally I don't try and put the whole world into a song because you just can't you know like I can't at least and that's why a lot of my other songs are me like kind of zooming in on really specific moments and things and so with bubblegum, I I was like cognizant of trying to put it all there, but while kind of saying as little as possible. It's definitely something that my grandma did. She she would tell us stories and um, you know teach us lessons, and she would not say a whole lot, but we our earth would be you know kind of shaken from like a sentence or two that she said and it was just like whoa like the way that she could say so much without really saying anything was always really inspiring to me and um so when i was going through kind of thinking about growing up and you know what brought me to today 
and thinking about like what I was doing at certain ages and what was important and what stuck out. I was really just trying to do that, you know, say what happened, but in as little words as possible. And um, that's kind of where it started, but I used to sing that song. I used to sing that chorus, I Don't Know Who I Am. <clears throat> when I first wrote the song uh, and it was like, it sounded sad at first, like, I was sad that I didn't know who I was and I had like shame and um, I felt guilty about it. And it wasn't until, you know, months of singing that song, just solo on my guitar that I kind of like had a perspective switch. And I was like, wait a second, like, this is not a bad thing. Like, I think this is a good thing. I think we should celebrate this and like, what I don't ever want to know who I am, if that means that I would stop like learning about myself or growing or evolving. And that was like the moment for me where I was like, no, this is a, this is a happy thing. And so when I went to record it in London, in London with Bullion, um, and we were making this song, it was like, we knew that it had to feel good. It had to feel like a celebration at the chorus. And, and it's just funny because I didn't write it that way. So like that song is definitely a song that kind of taught me more about myself after the fact, if that makes sense. It does actually. And okay, you just said a lot of really good things and I'm like, okay, how do I address every, all of these good things that you've just said? But I like that there's that sense of things being in flux because I know just part from reading about you, part from hearing this record, that the concept of growth and change and evolving identity, evolving relationships, evolving just life in and of itself is so important to you as a person and to this record. Like one of the things that I also had written in my notes about Bubblegum that I feel speaks to the larger record is that it holds both the kind of heavier elements of life and you know the lighter elements of life and a lot of this record holds that even like and we'll get to it in more detail later but for example there's songs on this record where they're both there's maybe like two or three songs about the same topic but one's dealing with like the heavier side of that topic or the heavier side of your relationship with a certain person and the other side is like the much more tender and joyful side of that same thing you know and yeah. so, and bubblegum really holds that, that balance in and of itself too. Yeah. That's important to me with writing. And especially for me, because I do write about people close to me and people I love, it feels like, you know, a responsibility that I hold in telling stories and telling my stories and other people's stories. And, um, everyone is so complex and I could never put somebody's life into one song, especially my own. And so I love to tell different sides of the story because like anything, something happens and I'm telling that story, but 
five years later, I'm grown, I've evolved, and I have more empathy now than I did five years ago. And so I want to always give myself that space to tell a different side of the story or tell it with new perspective or newfound empathy that I didn't have before. And to me, that gives me freedom and space to be with myself and my feelings in that moment, knowing that I can always return later. You know, I can retell a story if I don't tell it right the first time or if I want to tell a different side. Yeah. And especially with stories, it's important because, and same with people, like people are so complex, you know, like no one person is bad and no one person is good. We're all the things. And, um, you know, especially my dad, like, obviously I have a song called Glenn and it's, you know, about how he's the most amazing dad. And that's true. And then I have a a line in Bubblegum that says, I'm turning into my father, I'm treating women badly. And that's also true. And I think that is the most important thing about my writing because we have to know, we have to know everything, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean, we also go through periods of our lives where we're better versions of ourselves versus not so great versions of ourselves or versions of ourselves that are in more pain or whatever, you know, like, again, you make it very clear that you've gone through a million iterations of yourself. Um, you know, you, you've you transitioned, you've overcome addiction. You're also just a human being that's aged and grown and, you know, living yeah. life and absorbing it in whatever way that you can. And you're allowing yourself to sit with all of that and, and show that same empathy both towards yourself and towards those other people in your life. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, also, um, something you just said reminded me of a lyric from Muna's latest record, um, who I love. There's a song they wrote called Kind of Girl, and one of the lines is, yeah, I like telling stories, but I don't have to write them in ink. I can still change the end. Mm, yes. Yes. That's exactly the vibe. Like, And I feel like we put artists and songs into a box sometimes, and we don't let people walk away and like, that was important with me writing this record is like, I want you to know that I know how to walk away from us from a song or, you know, come back in and out like these things are true. And so are other things, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the next sort of section and similarly to what I was saying about like how each sort of theme that's touched on on this record is hit from multiple angles. I've sort of like clustered things and themes, but like even within, again, each set of songs, you're going to have the ones that are heavier and the ones that are lighter. And so the section I'm kind of starting with is, I guess the songs around growing up. Um, so for me, that would be Evelyn, 2005, and True Friend. And there's other ones that have elements too. I've just kind of put them in other categories just because of other stuff that's in those songs. Yeah. But like, you know, we have... Evelyn and True Friend, which maybe deal with some of the heavier sides of growing up. Um, and then you have 2005. That's interesting because even though like these first two songs in particular deal with like older men being creepy as hell, you know, yeah. like because because yeah. they do be like that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, 
But then you have a song like 2005 where it's like, even with the heavy stuff, even like getting picked on as a kid or even all that, I still miss the simpler times of being younger because being young and growing up, as much as it has its pains, it's still easier than being an adult sometimes or yes. all, all the time. Yeah, uh, 100%. <laughs> Eveline and True Friend are... You're right. They are similar. They deal with the similar themes. Um, and it's funny because 2005 was not a good time for me. You know, middle school was pretty rough. Um, not necessarily at school, but more so my home life. And um, kind of, I used to look back on it and like, just kind of remember all of the bad things. And so I just wanted to stop doing that. <clears throat> so I started like plucking out the few things that I genuinely loved and that like, like I really did feel fondly for. And it, and that was the song. And by the end of it, I have this like collection of good memories. Um, that I would want to go back to. And it was absolutely like me wearing rose colored glasses. And um, I don't know if we should do that all the time, but no. I, think I needed it at the time. And yeah. uh, now I listen to that song and I think about middle school and it really like forces my brain to just like remember like all the beautiful things about it. Yeah. This is probably one of the only songs I think on this record that looks at things through rose-colored glasses because there are some very loving and very joyful songs, which again are also, I'm actually very intentionally saving those for the end because I want us to get to end this interview on that lovely note. But like those songs, even though they are very sweet and very tender, they don't feel like they're romanticizing anything. They're enjoying things for exactly what they are, whereas 2005 is kind of the only one that is, like, again, being a little more, like, nostalgic for yeah things, despite maybe them being a little more complicated in reality. Yes, it's, like, a superpower that I found. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of which, and this is so not based on, like, stereotypes about Alaska, but only because I am from Canada, like yeah. so in like in the winter we go ice skating so when you said roller rink for some reason i was like why don't they also go ice skating like i was like i know that's very stupid but know no, that it's we coming do it from... all oh you do all of it okay yes yes we have a long like winter where we do ice skate outside on the lake and all that and then um but we also love indoor sports. So like bowling and roller rink is something that we can do all winter long too. This is true. See, we so, do the indoor yeah. skating because we have a lot of hockey where I'm from, yes, understandably, because yes. again, Same. Canada, yeah. um, I'm originally from Montreal. And so, yeah, like going to the ice skating rink um, was always a thing that we did. I'm going to kind of touch on Evelyn a little bit because interestingly with that song, I guess like, you know, when we're growing up, especially when we get into our teenage years, you know, we always want to look to escape the place that we are, you know, whether that just be like our home 
And that whether that's whether we're dealing with something more heavy at home or just being a teenager who's like, you don't understand me, you know? Um, and it's interesting how when we're that age, we sometimes look for escape in the very much the incorrect places, in places that can frankly be dangerous for us. And, you know, you talk about this person that you knew who did it and you talk about yourself having done the same yeah. at that point in your life. Yeah, <clears throat> it's... It's funny because, you know, at the time you don't realize that you're not in charge, you know, and it just made me realize like how much we have to be there for each other as women, growing up as women, like nobody has our back and and you don't realize it until you get older. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a an interesting, I guess, type of life to walk through. No, I mean, why was suck. it the cool thing to do? You know. Yeah, I think well, it's. It I wasn't have, just me. It, that's the no. thing. Yeah. My, my theory is, I think it's something similar to like the almost like manic pixie dream girl trope kind of especially in like art culture and hipster culture you know as much as we call ourselves very progressive we have some hella toxic things that i think we've only started to address more recently but like in the 2000s and in, in the 2010s like like for example artists that i love like daughter for example like Eleanor Tonra is a brilliant songwriter not to dock her but like their music is very like i'm supposed to be this sad small indie girl and it kind of leaves room for us to glamorize these not so great men who can come into our lives and be interesting and kind of take the lead in a very not good way yeah i'm sick of glamorizing men like that i completely agree i'm very glad that we're moving past it more and more and more and that we're also starting to clean some of them out the real ones at least <laughs> yes get rid of them Goodbye. Yeah. Well, and that's what like True Friend was about. Yeah. It was not a song about that man. I didn't want to give him a song. I wanted to give my friend a song. That song is about her and you know how she had my back and how we're there for each other and and it's not his, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he only really gets that one verse in the song and then the rest is really about her and yeah. her getting to go on and live her life. And it's also beautiful. It's like even though someone may not be in your life anymore, that we yeah. can still kind of wish them well and be grateful for the things that they did give our lives. Yeah. Um, you know, gratitude isn't just for the people that are still around. It's for the people that have marked you in any way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is a beautiful ode to a friend and definitely, as you put it, kind of leaning on not so much the positive of the situation, but I guess the one beautiful thing in, in an otherwise not so great situation is the power of someone caring for you and stepping in in a not so great situation. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're going into another bit of a heavier section, but after this one, it, it works its way back up. Um, like I said, I like ending things on a joyful note. So we're in for the ride, and then and then we're going to have some fun and get to karaoke type stuff, if you know what I, I mean. I love it. Did I, did I write some 
crazy I mean, themes? <laughs> I mean, a couple. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just was guessing. I don't know. <laughs> but again, so we are going into another bit of a heavy section, which is the songs around addiction. Um, because it does feature quite a bit. Mainly the two songs I mainly jotted down were Neighborhood and up down because or up up down uptown there's a yeah. t there that's pro that's a gaming thing probably um <laughs> but you know we're dealing with two generations of of addiction we're dealing with neighborhood which is the heavier one it's about your mom and then uptown is more about you and i guess it's it's sort of i guess in a way shows that like sometimes trauma and, and coping mechanisms are things that can be passed down and I think it's you know it's worth mentioning that both of you guys seem to be in a wonderful place and you know we're going to get to a song like Celine later where we get to really celebrate your mom and and also even though Neighborhood has like a heavy theme that voice note at the end that's included of her is really sweet and it, it celebrates her as just you know being a mom who's taking care of her kid and wanting to make sure that you know, you're good going out on tour and, yeah. you know, it still ends with her saying, I love you. Yeah. Yeah, that was important to me. Um, Neighborhood was the first song that I wrote for the record. And it kind of uh, shaped how I wrote for the record. Um, before that song, you know, I wrote many sad songs about my mother and I's relationship or upbringing. And I didn't really, I thought of everything before that song as like, I took it personal, you know? And I think we do that a lot when anyone that we love is dealing with addiction. It's easy to say, well, you can't get sober for me and you're doing this to me and all of these things they feel so personally and especially for young kids because that's all we know um but i got older and i just realized it wasn't about me and it wasn't personal at all and that she was hurting a lot before she hurt me and I had empathy for that, uh, being that I went through it myself. And so I just decided to stop writing the songs from this hurt perspective or this personal like attack, I guess, perspective and looked at you know, that she wasn't doing any of that to hurt me, really. But she wasn't the bad person. And and that's what addiction does to people. It just confuses us. And it's really hard to put into words. But um, I just decided to have more empathy and, like, change my perspective and I rewrote her character and she wasn't a bad person. And um, I really wanted to explain that, you know, and 
And I wanted her to know like that I forgive her because she's apologized, you know, millions of times. Um, but it was a nice way for me to show where we're at today and, you know, that things are okay. Um, we do have a lot of success right now to tell, you know, like she's completely changed her life around and um, she actually runs her own recovery meetings in our village at home. And um, she has lots of people going every week and uh, it's been really inspiring to watch and be a part of and it's only made our relationship stronger and um, yeah it's it's really nice and so I had to include that voicemail because you know often as a native person as a queer person people want to tell my struggle and pain and they don't want to show the success that we have after the fact. And so with this record, it was important for me to do both. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like just like her son, she's creating a sense of community in you through music and through bringing people together in that way and her in in her town you know helping people overcome something difficult and that's really awesome that you both get to do that for yourselves and for each other and for the people around you yeah yeah and again we get to celebrate her later in the record too so there's even more of that to come you know we're going to get to continue on to there but the second song we're going to deal with before we get to, into that next section is uptown um, which is more your song in the same yeah. in the same vein. Interestingly enough, it does have kind of a like dance beat to it, um, and is very vibrant sonically. Um, and then also, again, you have that line, "I don't like who I am," who's being re repeated. And I know that's not a joyful point, but going back to what we were saying in Bubblegum, in in the journey of self-discovery, sometimes we go through a period where not only do we not know who we are, we don't like who we are. And yeah. luckily that doesn't last forever, hopefully, and we find the growth and we find the ways to love ourselves. But yeah, it feels like an interesting marker in the record for, again, in that journey of discovering yourself, being at that maybe not so great point and kind of having to sit with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't write that song until I was five years sober. Um, I think I needed time to think about like who I was. And so I came up, you know, I was like, kind of looked at the calendar and I was like, wow, it's been five years, you know, like, that's crazy. And I started to think about who I was five years prior. And it was like, oh my gosh, like what a mess. And like, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. And um, 
I don't think I would have been able to write that song, you know, as I was going through it, because I surely wasn't even looking at myself to think about that I didn't like myself. And so I think solely just because here I am today and I like who I am today, I was able to go back and really showcase like how bad it was. And I mean, <laughs> the music is so fun. But that's often what it feels like when you're just like on a bender and like drunk driving and, you know, you're not really thinking about anyone except yourself. And it's just like kind of chasing the good times and trying to numb what's what's going on and what's hurting you. And it feels chaotic and like a dance and like. Yeah, so I just I wanted to I wanted to keep that feeling. Um and yeah, I'm just I'm really glad I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Well, again, you're clearly not because I mean, one, there's so much tenderness and love on this record and both self-empathy and also just celebration of the things that are good in life. And and also, I think it takes someone who has grown and evolved to write the way that you do. Like, and we're going to get to erase me in a bit, but like, I remember the first time that I heard that, I was like, I don't think I've heard this nuanced of songwriting maybe ever. Mm. Um, and like I said, that takes someone who knows themselves who knows the world around themselves who's had that time to grow and learn and look inward and and again through other songs know that loves themselves and likes themselves now so i'm glad that you're not there anymore too and i'm glad that you seem to be finding something good you know and we're we're now kind of starting to inch our way towards that good stuff on the record because we we made it through the the trenches and yes yes we did it uh i'm very proud but the next one we're going to talk about is Take Your Time. And now Take Your Time is a little bit of a duality song, but even though there is a heavier side, there's a lot of anxiety in it. There's also something really sweet of you wanting to like relish the good moments of of touring with a friend. And yeah, yeah. so it, again, it's another song that's got a lot of duality, but there is that like appreciating of simple moments that's very important throughout this record as well. Yes. Take Your Time is a love song for a friend. I think there should be more of those. Um, But, you know, it's interesting to me, especially right now, because I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen, a lot of our favorite artists are, you know, telling us how hard touring is and how much of a toll it's taking on them and they're taking breaks from it. And I've never seen anything like this um, before, like the amount of artists that are saying, hey, this is too much, we have to take a break, you know. Um, it's, It's refreshing to see, you know, people say that um, because I, 
I've seen it and I've felt it too. I mean, nothing like compared to, you know, any of anyone else, but like, I had never been on tour before. And, um, you know, my friend had never really toured like that either. And I just saw like, it takes a toll sometimes. Um, and I just want to take care of us. Touring is a job that nobody trains you for. You know, I've never, I still don't have any training <laughs> on it. And I think about that sometimes. I, well, what other job did they just say, go for it and don't train, you know? Like, it's, it's so funny to me. Um, yeah. And that's why it makes so much sense that we do it. And we're like, whoa, this is like not what I thought it was. Um, and there's a lot of pressure there too, of course. But it's just, take your time is about just that, you know, taking your time. I feel like on the road, we're in a rush and we're, just trying to give ourselves every night. Um, and it's just a reminder to like, take care of yourself, uh, love the people you're with and um, yeah, try your best and like, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. And much like any important reminder, it is repeated. Um, you know, it's, it's almost becomes like a mantra to ground yourself it's never ending yeah it's like a over and over again type thing and that's why the song just keeps going it's like it's cyclical and tour is too you just get in the car and you drive and you drive and you drive and you play and then you drive and then um yeah I'm I'm really excited to you know see if other musicians react to this song now because I feel like when I wrote it I actually wasn't seeing a lot of heartache that touring was causing uh musicians and artists alike and I feel like just just seeing so much of that more now feels like that song is a little more relevant uh today than when I wrote it yeah yeah I mean on that note I'm gonna go on we're gonna make one more pit stop which is that erates me before we get to that i know i keep kind of pointing to the the happier songs but you know it's nice to be able to ground ourselves in those um but again we're like i said before even though i know like erase me is like the song that helped you break out and stuff and i'm sure you've spoken about it a gajillion times um but like i said even with all of that i still think it's like one of the most nuanced pieces of writing that I've ever read because especially like for one I don't think I've ever seen someone write about passing privilege on a song ever 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 um and it's a really interesting perspective because I know that it's a it's an odd position to be put in to be on one hand validated in your gender identity having transitioned um but then also now being put in this box that doesn't feel quite right in the sense of like 
privilege anyway it's i obviously can't explain it anywhere near as well because it's not a life that i've experienced but i can only imagine that it is an odd place to be put into it is you know transitioning is crazy because it's something we do in front of everyone you know we can't just hide and come out one day who we are. It's so vulnerable um, and not by choice. And so much of being trans and passing and all of that is rooted in society's perception of you. It's rooted in how people treat you you know and that's what i wanted to do with this song i didn't want to write a song about how i felt really i wanted to write a song and show all of you how you felt you know like it was never about my transition i've never been confused about myself and I think a lot of trans people feel the same way. Like, we are not confused. This is a you thing. You know, I never really changed the way I did anything. Just everybody started changing the way they treated me. And it was so weird, you know, because as a masculine woman, I experienced life in a different way than I do now. Um, I think one, I, you know, masculine women are not very palatable to society because we are not there for men. We're not there for the male gaze. And walking away from that was such a wild experience to witness. Like I didn't really know, I at the time as a masculine woman, I wasn't thinking like, oh, this sucks. Like, no, I was just thinking like, this is this. And then when I get here where I am today and I'm experiencing all these weird, like, I don't know, just people were not as mad at me all the time. People weren't just treating me like like lower or something. Like it it was so strange to me. And yet while I didn't really do anything different, you know. And so the reason I included that song on this record, on my debut record, being that it is an older song, is because to me it ages well in the way that that perspective will never change. I, as a trans person, as someone LGBTQ, our stories are nuanced and they can always evolve, especially with the feelings about ourselves and where we're at and how we identify and gender and expression. And it's so ever changing but what will never change is how society perceived me. That stays the same. 
And so that's why this part of my story is important to me. And that's why I wanted to keep it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't become a different person just because aspects of your life are in flux. Like whoever you are at a certain point is valid and and you deserve to be able to stand in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad we took we took a moment to discuss this song because it is so important. But now again, we've we've made it to that final section I keep touting, which are just the really sweet, lovely songs on this record, which are thanks, simple and Celine, and then there's one more, which is Kids. Um, we, as I've sort of touched on lightly throughout the interview, they really are songs that sit with the small joys of life, similar to what you said at the beginning about how, like, I know Bubblegum is the more, like, big picture song, but these are ones that really are grounded in the small, beautiful moments, whether it be your partner killing a spider for you or you sitting on <laughs> on the toilet seat while your mom does her nails um, as a kid. Or, yeah. you know, wanting your kids to dye their hair and get tattoos one day, which is the first time I've heard any, like, potential parental figure say that. So thank you. Thank you for the progress. Uh, <laughs> I have many a tattoo and a piercing, and, and in my Italian family, that didn't initially go down well. So <laughs> we want parents to support it. <laughs> Give the babies that. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. But yeah, the little things. I mean, I just, I think a lot of people, kids, kind of get to a place in life where we realize we're in charge of our parents when they get old, you know? Like, that's that's our job, right? Uh, and culturally, it's different. You know, I'm sure like in my culture, native culture, we take care of our elders. Um, and I know it's different um, with other cultures, but I do have to buy my parents a condo one day. <laughs> uh, I surely want to. I want to take care of them. And, you know, I just, it's just like, they don't need much. And that's the thing, like, the bare essentials would be enough. And to be able to provide just that is, is like all I want. And it's so simple. And that's where that song started. Like, I just watched my mom struggle so much uh, throughout her life. And and was just sitting there one day, like, to really think about it, like, all the things that we need, that she needs. It's so simple. And that's where that comes from. And there's a lot of, I think people forget, especially I think even, I mean, at any point in life, but especially nowadays with social media and the sort of constant celebration of things that are big and exciting and like, ooh, I went to do this thing or I went to this event or blah, blah, blah. People sometimes forget to, again, see the real joy and the real fulfillment in those little things of, you know, 
having a home that is your own, um, which I mean is a big thing, but in in the kind of sense of gratitude around it or just running into your neighbor as you go for a walk and talking to them and catching up and, you know, getting to build a blanket fort with their kids. Like, you know, like there's so much joy and magic in those very, very small and very, very simple things. So why not, you know, sit with them and celebrate them? Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. Like, like the way you're saying it, like, like the goal is to have those things. The goal is not to play stadiums like Harry Styles, you know, for me, it's not. It's really just to be content and to have enough and to have my family around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's so good and important that you've realized that for yourself because not everyone does. And also, sometimes people don't realize it at a, a fairly young age and spend a lot of time chasing things that drain them. And you've had to go through a lot to get to here, but... I'm glad you are here because I know, again, I know how good it feels to feel grounded in that gratitude. Again, even like the song that's about your partner, Thanks, like, again, celebrating those small things and that there is so much love in, in, again, the little aspects of relationship because long term, it's not just about how they look or what they do as a job or, you know, the magical freaking, I don't, you know what I mean, typical like Disney rom-com crap. You know, it's yeah. the stuff that is there for the long run that we that we get to keep. And so once again, why not celebrate those things, too? Exactly. Yeah. And she doesn't really like killing spiders. She likes to put them outside, but I like killing them. <laughs> <laughs> so so she's taking one for the team. Yes. And that's <laughs> love, you know. Love is brutally murdering a spider for your partner who is scared of them. Yes. Yes. That's what we all want at the end of the day. And <laughs> and kids who get paid and are, are speak their minds and get tattoos and, and dye their hair. Yes. Live all a lot of life. All the good things. And then most importantly of all, who get to go and sound just like Celine at the local karaoke bar. Is that yeah. is one of the most I mean, it's like the most euphoric song on the record yeah. and celebrating something that people often put as like just a cheesy thing. It's like, oh, you're going to sing one of the like pop divas at, at karaoke, whoopty frickin' do. But it's like actually there's so much fun in that. So why like let's really celebrate how wonderful of a feeling that is and that little yeah. thing in life that makes us feel really damn happy. Exactly. It's that's what it is. It's so little, but it makes us feel so big. And that is such a special thing to me. You know, obviously, there's big things in life that make us feel so big, like getting a college degree or having kids or getting married. But but what about these tiny moments that have that same feeling like that's so much more special to me and I saw that in my mom when she played karaoke and to even think about someone signing up their name on the sign-up sheet is so vulnerable to me like personally 
I'm so scared to sing karaoke. I think it's one of the most like difficult things and vulnerable and like scary. And, um, you know, you just get up in front of people and you try to win them over. And it's just like a lot of work too. <laughs> and, like, I just have so much respect for people who do it and I love it. And, um, yeah, I want to, I want to see more of it. Yeah. And again, to kind of wrap it all up, as obviously you mentioned your mom and we've said, you know, Celine's very much about her, but getting to watch the music video and just getting to see her obviously sing and sing karaoke, but then getting to sing with you at the end as well and just have a really damn good time. Yeah. It's just such wonderful euphoria for the sake of euphoria. Yeah. Yeah. Like we made it here. You know, she didn't want to do that video. <laughs> <laughs> I I talked her into it. I asked her to do it and she was like, no, no, you know, I'm not good on camera. She's self-conscious and all of those things. But then I told her, I said, you know, this song wouldn't exist without you. Uh, and then she kind of looked and she was like, wow, you know, um, okay well for you I'll give it a shot and so she showed up that day I will day before I took her out and you know we got her a new outfit you know something she would feel good in it's an awesome outfit by the way those purple glasses and that jacket yeah. are amazing like yeah, really always had good style you know I feel like I get some of my style from her and um yeah the the glasses are her every day. She wears different color glasses every single day. That's like her vibe. <laughs> and like, it was just, it was so fun. And, um, and then doing the video, like she had so much fun. And at the beginning of the day, it was like, she was a little nervous. And by the time all my friends got there and they were in the crowd and they're like hyping up everything. And then she felt it too. And like, she was getting more excited and felt more amazing by it. And then by the end of the day, she had all this new confidence that she didn't have at the beginning. And um, she even called me up a couple of days later to say how she felt like a new person uh, that even in her meetings that she's doing in her recovery meetings, that she was speaking louder and with more confidence and, and that being a part of that video did that to her. And like, and I was like, that's what the song is about. Like, it's wholeheartedly about feeling big in these little moments in life. And like, it just meant so much to me that it carried through to the video and to, to her. And like, yeah, I'm just glad that she took a chance and was a part of it. And um, yeah, because easily someone else could have done it but like it's so important to my art and my songs that that she was there you know and especially since you said yourself we talk about a lot of these harder topics and themes and like to show where we're at today and where our relationship is today and all of that is so important to me that nobody else could have done that except her write your name in pink is available now wherever you normally get your music 
This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lobercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. 